So can anybody guess what we're talking about today? Yes, tithing. Um, <laughs> ah, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, it is good to be back um, after missing a couple weeks. Um, there are a couple things that I learned um, on our trip. One is that um, the sun in Canada, when it's 63 degrees, will burn you just like the sun uh, in Georgia. And so I'm doing a lot of peeling right now. Um, and uh, so that's been a little bit painful. Um, I also learned that I'm not very good um, at, I don't even know how to phrase this. There's so many things I'm not good at. Um, so as I go back and I listen to like the podcast of the speakers when I'm gone, because I'm very, you know, I'm very interested in how did they do and what they said to you. It is very difficult for me to, as I'm listening to it, be like, oh, that was a good setup. They need to go here. And then they don't. I'm like, oh, I would have done it different. Now, Claudia, I never did that with you. You were perfect every time. Uh, every time I'm like, well, that's exactly what I would have said. Um, so, you know, rest assured. Um, but uh, it, I, was, I appreciate um, Doug and Mary who filled in um, while I was gone. And um, man, they talked about some really good stuff, but I am glad to be back. And we are going to be spending... Um, several weeks um, speaking about prayer. And there's gonna be a few things in this series that are a little different um, than our normal series here at Tapestry. Um, but if you're, if you're anything like me, you probably don't remember the very first prayer that you ever prayed. Um, because they were probably at that juncture, they were probably some prayers that someone might've taught you as a very um, little kid, something that you were just mimicking basically before you even really understood all of what was going on. And, and there were so many of these, you know, I, I grew up, my dad was a pastor. And so, man, I had, I had these prayers down pat. There was the bedtime prayer and I would be able to pray that, you know, before I knew what I was praying about. I'm like, Dear Jesus, give us a good night's sleep, protect our dreams. I pray for my family. Amen. You know, and that was kind of like our, you know, our prayer. I memorized it and I would say it. There was, there was the meal prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this food. Bless us, bless it as we eat it in the hands that provided it. In your name, amen. And I would pray that one. My, 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 um, my, my son learned a very different mealtime prayer. Um, as he was coming up in uh, daycare that was from a, a church that wasn't my background. And so he learned what they prayed. So he would repeat that. But I'm sure when he was saying that, he wasn't really aware of what he was doing. There's the travel prayer. How many of you have prayed the travel prayer? There's a, Lord, put the hedge of protection around this vehicle. And when I was a kid, I was always so confused with that prayer because they would say hedge of protection. And I would literally picture like our vehicle going down the road with a bush all around it. And I'm just like, I don't understand how this bush is going to protect us. And it never is there. Why do we keep asking for it? Um, <laughs> but the thing about these prayers is that most of the prayers that we tend to pray as Christians, they become very formulaic. Right, like you kind of go, you kind of go to the same place over and over again, and you kind of have the the words and the phrases that you use, and it's very familiar. If you've been around tapestry at all, you know my very, very specific place that I go at the end of every prayer, as I finish up, 
And I thank God for his mercy and yeah, like every time that's where I go. And we all kind of get like it. We get into like, okay, here's the things. This is what prayer means. This kind of set of words or these ideas or this is what I do. And the other thing about prayer is this, is that the first prayer that I can actually remember saying um, is a very vivid memory for me. My dad was in Bible college in Florida. And I remember being at this church in Lakeland, Florida. And there was a service that was going on for the adults and the kids were in a separate building. And I was probably five years old at the time this took place, but man, the memory is so clear. And there's a separate building. And, and, and I don't remember how much into detail they went. Like now thinking back on this, I'm terrified and we're not gonna do this with any of your children. But like they were talking about like why you need to get saved. And like they brought hell into the equation for five-year-olds. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want to go there that sounds horrible. And so I need to go. And when they said, you know, who wants to be prayed for, for Jesus to be your savior? I'm like, heck yes, Jesus, save me from that terrible place. And I remember saying the prayer with the person that was in that kid's ministry. And ever since then, I have spent most of my life praying for things because that's how it all started out as I prayed for my food and I prayed for a good night's sleep with no bad dreams. And as I, you know, prayed for safe travel and as I prayed for Jesus to save me from the, the hell fires, like that was my basis. And so my prayers just became things for me, help me, bless me, protect me, keep me. And then I would get a, a little less selfish because then I'd be like help and bless and teach and protect those that I care about. And then, you know, sometimes if some of you have an issue, like I'll take a second and I'll be real quick. Oh, their thing too. And then let me get back to my thing. Oh, well, that's not a very good pastor. I know I'm not a very good pastor, but I'm just being honest with you. This is how it is. Our prayers by our human nature tend to drift towards me and mine. And that's the way that so many of us approach it. And before long, prayer becomes, dear God, thank you for the day. Now let's get to my stuff. Dear God, you are so great. Now let's talk about what I need. And that's kind of the pattern that we fall into. And the other thing, maybe, maybe perhaps you're at a point where you don't pray at all. Maybe, maybe you used to, but you quit. You just kind of fell out of the habit. And, and the reason that you quit may be kind of the same reason that I tend to pray. And that would be you are asking God for something. And so that's kind of my motivation, but you ask God for things and nothing ever happened. And as you kind of prayed and prayed over and over again and nothing ever seemed to happen, you kind of just was like, hmm okay. And it just kind of became not important, not something that you did. And you just kind of drifted away from it. And so we're really the same, whether I'm just praying for my stuff or you've stopped praying because you didn't get your stuff. It's all, we're on the same boat, the same motivation. We're just trying to figure out the magic combination of how much prayers and how much, you know, church attendance and how much scripture reading and how much do I need to give and how, what, what's the magic combination to unlock the favors and the blessings of God for what I need in my life. And that's what we're all doing. And when we get what we want, it's great. Like when you pray for something and then it happens, it's like, oh my goodness, like God is so great. Like, yes, this is worse. But when you don't get it, 
and when it doesn't work out. Like, it's really a mystery. But a lot of us are, a lot of us are afraid because a lot of times prayer's our last hope. And what if I go to God as my last hope and it doesn't work out, then what? And so maybe we kind of just shy away from it because you don't want to burn the last hope. Perhaps some of you maybe prayed for something really important. Like maybe, maybe some of you prayed for a really sick relative. Maybe some of you have had a marriage that just fell apart and you were desperately praying for God to save that marriage. And not, not only did you not get the answer, but the situation maybe turned out even worse than you thought it would. And so you thought, well, that doesn't work. I'm not gonna waste my time with that again. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. Not only did I, God not do what I think God should do, not only did God not protect me and provide for me like I was taught, you know, if I, you know, make Jesus my savior as a kid, they told me I'll not only avoid the hell fires, but then God will, he'll protect and provide and I can count on him because he's my loving father and the heavenly father just gives you what you need. And then you're confused when you don't seem to get the things that you need. Meanwhile, you know, you look around and it seems like there's some people that are just getting what they need all over the place. You're like, wait a minute, how is that working? I'm trying my best. I'm doing what I think I should be doing. I'm spending time in prayer. Good, they're heathen reprobates. How are they getting all these blessings? I know what happened. God sent it down and the angel got the wrong address. Dropped it at my neighbor's, not at my house. That's how it's supposed to go. Honey, we need to move into the neighbor's house so that our blessings arrive on us. But if we're honest with ourselves, when it comes to this idea of prayer. The whole thing really seems to be hit or miss, doesn't it? Every once in a while, like, you have those times of prayer that, man, it seems like you really connected to something. And like, man, I, I felt like I was actually talking to God. And then there's a whole lot of times where it doesn't feel like anything. And it feels like your words are bouncing off the ceiling. And you get to a point where you maybe figure out like, what in the world am I even doing this for? And if we're not careful, prayer over time will just kind of turn into a good luck charm for us. Something that when we think we need a little extra, when we think we need a little boost or a little help, we'll kind of just throw it up as a good luck charm without really thinking that it's gonna work any more than my unwashed jersey is gonna keep my team winning so long as I don't wash it. <laughs> but it's what prayer becomes to so many of us. And then, and then let's be honest, Christians can get weird with prayer. Like we do some strange things. Like one of them is like, when you think about things, it's like if, if things operate the way we really think, some of the things we do are strange. So we'll, we'll sit around in a circle and we'll be like, does anybody need prayer? Like, yes, I need prayer. What do you need prayer for? And we'll talk about what you need prayer for. And we all sit around. Okay, here's what we're gonna pray for. And then we pray. And if we really think that God is with us and amongst us always, that's really strange. It's like a bunch of kids sitting around the dinner table with their parents sitting there and talking amongst themselves. Hey, what are we gonna ask mom and dad for? 
Well, what, what do you need to ask mom and dad for? I'm going to ask them for this. Okay, well, I'm really straight. And meanwhile, mom and dad are sitting there listening to the whole thing. And then they're like, all right, let's do it. Mom and dad. That would just be strange. But yet that's kind of this thing that we got going on with our group prayer request. And then there's this really strange aspect of prayer where it seems like God's priorities are out of whack. Where it seems like the things that maybe he decides to answer are a little weird. So it's like the person praying for the healing of cancer doesn't get theirs answered, but then somebody's thanking God because they prayed for a date with a specific person and it happened. And you're just like, wait, what? Was that God? Was that, did he do that? Why would he, what, what is happening there? Maybe some of you are praying for children to be reunited with parents. And somebody talks about how great God is because they couldn't find their car keys. And as soon as they prayed, there they were. And you're just like, wait, what? God, did you get returned car keys over returned children? Wait, God, is that, did you answer that prayer? Is that how? It's getting uncomfortable in here, isn't it? But it should be reassuring because we all have these questions and doubts at times. You can't be a Christian and make an honest effort at this whole prayer thing and understanding how it works and be intellectually honest with yourself and not have these questions and not face these doubts. So what is all of that? And then just sometimes we think, oh, well, it's just a coin flip. I'll stop praying. Others are just confused, but we're afraid to quit praying. Then somebody will come along and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks. And somebody will come along and say, throw up a hand if you've heard this before. Well, the reason you're in the situation that you're in is because you don't have enough faith. Anybody hear that? Anybody ever want to just ball up your fist to somebody who said that to you <laughs> and just step in as hard as you could? Pastor, that's violent. I told you I'm not a good pastor. Let's just get past that. Yeah. If you had more faith, God would answer your prayers. And listen, from a Christian perspective, I mean, that's kind of a good cover for God because, pff, yeah, if you can take any blame off of God and lay it on people, well, then, yeah, that's a good, it's a good thing. But the problem is, is that Jesus came along and he really messed that idea up. As the way that Jesus tends to mess our ideas of who God is and how God works and how we should behave accordingly, he, he tends to do that, to mess it up. And he looked, he says, no, you don't have to have giant faith. You have to have faith the size of a mustard seed. See, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a learned congregation. But that whole mustard seed thing, that, that another one as a kid, that one got me because I remember same, same kids ministry in Florida that, that got me to be saved to avoid the hellfires. They talked about that verse, mustard seed. That's all you gotta have, just a little bit of faith and God will move mountains. This verse excited me so much. Like we were on the way home that Sunday morning in the car and I was so excited, so excited, so excited because at the time, the Empire Strikes Back was on its original release in the movie theaters. So yes, do a little math, you can figure out how old I am. 
The year was 1980. And I had myself a little X-Wing fighter toy. And I don't remember where I got it, but I had it. And I was so excited because I thought, man, if just a little bit of faith and belief will move a mountain, what could I do to the X-Wing fighter? And so when I got home, I grabbed my X-Wing fighter and I ran out into the backyard and I put it on the ground. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And I just closed my eyes and I had the faith that God was gonna elevate. I mean, because Yoda could do it. And if Yoda could do it and all I had to do was have faith for God to do it. I mean, come on, God's bigger than Yoda. I hope. And so, okay, so I'm like, oh, and I, you know, and at that point, clearly, I was a stupid kid. I didn't know if I was trying to use faith or the force. I didn't know. I just knew my Sunday school teacher told me if I believed it would move. And so I'm just, okay. And the amount of disappointment that all of my five-year-old self could muster as I opened my eyes and the X-Wing fighter was in the exact same place. Had I only known then that that would be an introduction to a lifetime of God not reacting to my prayers the way I think that he should react to my prayers. So here's what I want us to think about for the next several weeks. And and this is going to be a fairly wide-ranging series. But what if regardless of where you are in your beliefs, what if none of that stuff was the point of prayer to start with? What if we're missing the entire point? What if we were to discover that prayer had very little or even nothing to do with God doing things for us? What if we were to discover that all of our adult lives We've gotten prayer wrong. What if the reason it's so random is because it was never supposed to be specific to start with? What if the reason it's so hit and miss is because it was never designed to get stuff from God and for him to grant you the things that you want? What if prayer isn't even about your needs and desires? What if it's not about your wants and your wishes, and the way that you hope life would go? Or what if maybe, 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 what if maybe that's just a tiny facet of it? And it's as if prayer is this giant arena, and we've spent our entire lives stuck in one little corner of it, thinking this was the whole thing. Meanwhile, if we'd just turn around, we'd see this vastness of what else that it is that there's something so much bigger to it that we maybe never realized. Or if we did finally realize that there's so much more to it, then it would make a whole lot more sense of why us banging our heads into the corner of this little part, we were getting the results that we were getting because it would begin to make sense to us in the scheme of the bigger picture. And so what if, in spite of our best intentions, we've missed the point of prayer. Now, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at some passages throughout this series. We're gonna look at some passages where Jesus teaches us how to pray. And some of you may say, well, I don't need anybody to teach me how to pray. Like, it's just talking to God, right? No, you're wrong. (laughs) 
I mean, I don't often just tell you you're wrong, but if you think that's all it is, well, then yeah, I mean, you're wrong. We're gonna look at some verses and you may be shocked at what Jesus has to say about prayer because Jesus comes along to this group of Jewish guys that he has following with him. Jewish guys who, by the way, had been taught from children through their faith and the study of the scriptures how to pray. He said, guys, let's have a conversation about prayer. You're doing it wrong. I mean, just that to his guys that are around him, just that is really offensive as they had been trained in their faith the way to pray. But the verses that we're gonna look at today are the ones leading up to the famous Lord's Prayer. And he teaches us and tells us some that there are things that maybe we don't know about prayer. And there are things that we thought were important that maybe aren't important and things that we thought weren't important and maybe they really are. But here's what Jesus says when he decides he's going to teach about prayer. Matthew chapter six, he says this, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray. And you look at that and you're like, well, wait, wait a minute, wait, they love to pray. That sounds okay. And what's, what's, what's the big deal there? But Jesus is like, whoa, 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 listen to this. The first thing that Jesus is gonna talk about when he's talking about how to pray is where people pray. This is the very first thing that Jesus addresses when he gives a lesson on how to pray. And you may say, well, I think I can pray anywhere. And we've become experts at praying anywhere. We've become experts at praying, driving down the road, trying to balance a coffee and maybe scroll on our phone through our messages while we're driving late to work. We've become experts at throwing up the prayers if we're the car next to the car trying to pray while balancing their coffee and going through their text messages, driving on the way to work. We've come really good at praying last minute's prayer on our way to school or work. Oh dear God, please don't let there be a quiz today. I didn't read the material. Oh dear God, please don't let my boss ask about this specific assignment today. I didn't do it. Please, 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 please. We'll throw that up. On the way home, oh God, please don't let my parents still be up and wait. Anybody pray that prayer when you were a kid? Oh, please let them be asleep and forgot that I'm an hour and a half past my curfew. Jesus, please. You're never more holy than when you're in trouble. <laughs> right? I know you can pray anywhere because God's everywhere. I can just talk to him anytime I want. But when Jesus begins his lesson to his disciples on this is how you pray, he begins with an improper place to pray. Somehow to Jesus, location is important. To most of us, it's not a thought. Jesus is like, this is what I'm leading with. He says, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray. And I kind of tricked you because that wasn't the whole sentence. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And he's talking about a group of religious people in that culture who wanted everyone to know how religious they were. Because after all, it was basically their job to be good and religious. And so they wanted everyone to see how good they were at their job. And so they would pray in public and they would pray these loud and these ornate prayers to elevate themselves. And it made those who walked by them admire them and be like, oh, I'll never be as holy as they are. Look how great they are. 
And it made them feel good about themselves. And Jesus says, now they're going to get a reward. And their reward is the people walking by will think they're religious and for a minute they'll feel good about themselves. But that's it. Well, yeah, but wait, wait, Andy, wait, wait, wait. They're still praying. What's God gonna do about their prayer? Nothing. They have received all they will receive. Then look what he says. He says, but when you pray, this is a, this is a soft command from Jesus. He doesn't say, if you pray. He says, when you pray. You should never ask the question ever, should I pray? <laughs> That's not a question. Jesus says, yes. Yes, you should. When you pray, go into your room. Close the door. Well, but wait, well, can, I, can I pray anywhere? Well, you, you can, but I'm teaching you how to do it. All of your life, you've prayed on the run. Jesus says, I want to teach you the way. And I want to start with where you pray. Go into your room and close the door. The interesting thing is this, is that as you read through the scriptures and you see all of Jesus's prayers, never once do I see Jesus go into a room and close the door and pray. But here's what I do see. I see him get by himself all the time. He gets out into the wilderness. Any of you know me at all? The wilderness is not my prayer zone. <laughs> not me in the wilderness. The wilderness will kill you. I avoid the, listen. <laughs> you know it's true. Listen, we went hiking some trails while we were up north in Vermont. And, you know, hiking is great. <laughs> my wife loves hiking, so I love hiking for her. But it's all like, you know, kind of cool, 63. And I'm like, all right, I get to wear my puffy vest the whole time I'm up here, right? I got a new puffy vest. I love my puffy. And so I'm like zipping out. Oh, I got my long sleeves on. Kate's all like, wait, well, you're going to get hot, Martin. And she's like all in a t-shirt and all. And she's just, and I'm back here like, oh my God, I'm crazy. You know, and of course, somehow I end up with the backpack with the water and all that stuff or whatever. And so, you know, she's right. I got hot, but I had on my sleeves and my vest. And I never took it off, but I was just sweating under it. I'm like, whatever, you know, and I'm all protecting. She's all like t-shirts and whatever. For Daleks and t-shirt and shorts just running through everything. Guess who the one that got a tick right in the middle of their back under puffy vest and backpack. Yeah, it was me. Nature's terrible. I don't like being in it. So for me, I very much welcome going into my room and closing the door. Jesus can go to the wilderness. The point is, Get by yourself. If you want to pray properly, you can't do it with the noise and the chaos of life happening around you. You've got to separate. You've got to separate. Well, yeah, but is that really important? Isn't God everywhere? Yeah, he's everywhere. But if you want to get beyond what your experience of prayer has been up to this point in your life, you need to close the door. You need to make space for God to happen. And this one little verse 
practiced consistently can change your prayer life immensely. Come on, Andy, really? Just that one thing, closing the door? Yeah, I dare you. Try it. Like, honestly try it. And see how different your experience is. Because listen, if the only time in my marriage, and I'll be honest, Kate and I have gone through these times. If the only time I talk to Kate is in the chaos and the hustle of life, and we're just managing schedules, and we're just kind of making sure like everything's still floating and nothing's dropping, and we're like getting, you know, this is what we got to do to get life done. And da, 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 da. If that's the only single time we communicate in the chaos of life, we will become disconnected. We'll become disconnected. There is no intimacy to be had if our only conversation is in the chaos in life. There has to be time separated, conversation alone with all of that other stuff outside the door. That is how intimacy is built. And listen, you can pray and talk to God the rest of your life and never communicate with God. And unfortunately, that's the way most Christians pray. But he says, I want you to go in your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And I love that Jesus put that in there because Jesus acknowledges that we're praying to an invisible God and that's just a little bit weird. And you can feel really foolish doing that sometimes. And Jesus acknowledges, I understand that that element of it is there. And he says, and then your father who sees what is done in secret, in secret, in secret, I'm trying to emphasize something here, will reward you. And that little word reward in the Greek, that means to, to, to pay or, or pay you back or repay. And if you're thinking, oh, okay, that's it. That's what I'm talking about, to get paid. All right, if all I got to do is shut the door, then I'll shut the door. And then I can get in the room with the door shut. Thank you, God. Let's get to me paid, right? <laughs> we finally unlocked the key. You just had never noticed that before. But Jesus doesn't promise that, fortunately. The reward is not that you will get everything that you ask for. And I say fortunately, because how many of you, when you were a kid, wanted your parents to give you everything you asked for, right? And how many of you as adults are so glad your parents did not give you everything you asked for, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's how kids get ruined, the reward isn't that you're going to get what you want and you're going to get what you're asked for. That's not the reward. But this verse promised that the God who created the universe will reward you. Listen to how this goes on. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard or taken seriously because of their many words. Essentially, Jesus says, look, I know what you're thinking about prayer. You're thinking, okay, well, I'm not really a religious person and I haven't prayed that much. I'm gonna run out of things to say in about two minutes. And then it's just gonna get awkward. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't have to say a lot. 
It's not, Jesus is saying, look, God is not moved by the quantity or the quality of your words in prayer. And if you think God is moved by certain words and how eloquently you say them, you don't know much about who God is because that's not what matters. In fact, a couple of pastors that I've had the experience of being around in my time in the church and in ministry, a couple of the pastors who have said some of the most amazing prayers that I have ever heard ended up having affairs on their wives and leaving the ministry. But yet some of the most simple words I've heard said in prayer by people who were not public speakers and were not elegant were some of the most powerful moments with God that I've ever experienced. So if you're fret about prayer, well, I don't know what to say, what am I gonna do? It's not about what you say and how you say it. So the pressure's off. You do not have to be impressive when you talk to God. And then he gives us the punchline, which when, when I read this sentence, some, some of you may wanna just throw your hands up in the air and be like, well, I don't get it at all then, I just quit. He, here's, here's what he says. He says, do not be like them, those hypocrites praying, praying out loud, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, if your response to that is, if God already knows what I need before I ask, then why am I even bothering to pray? If you're having that thought, you are on the verge of an incredible breakthrough. You're headed down the right path, right? If you're saying, look, if he knows everything I'm gonna say, then what am I gonna say? You are on the verge of realizing that there's a whole lot more to this thing, this concept, this idea of prayer than you maybe have previously realized. There's more to it. You're on the verge of beginning to understand that there's more than asking for stuff and telling him what you think you need. Jesus says, look, there's a time for that, but we're not going to spend much time there. Well, then, okay, Andy, well, what are we supposed to pray about then? What are we supposed to? Obviously, we've missed something, right? Because if we're not supposed to pray about the things that we all pray about, Jesus says, I want you to know that your heavenly father has given you the gift of prayer. And the reason that we have been given the gift of prayer is because our intimacy with God is the most important thing in our life. Like that's, that's the goal. Everything else flows from that, everything. And the reward, when Jesus is talking about you get alone and you spend time in prayer, I will reward you. The reward is, is that we know God is with us regardless of whether he answers our prayers the way we think he should or not. We know God, creator of the universe, is with us. And for most of us, we've all experienced guilt in church. If you haven't, refer to announcements before the sermon. <laughs> Love you, babe. She did it on purpose to set me up for that. <laughs> right, well, we've all... We've all experienced guilt and we're like, oh man, I shouldn't be doing that thing. And then we go home, we kind of do something about that thing. Like, okay, I got that fixed, right? And then we think, wow, I just had a little religious experience. 
I got guilted about something and changed it. Whoo, that was a little... Re- and for many of us, that's been our extent of our religious experience. God, guilt, get on with it. God, guilt, get on with it. God, guilt, fix it. Get on with it. Get on. And it's just kind of this cycle. But there's a difference between feeling guilty for something and feeling accountable to someone. There's a difference between those two things. And God has given us this opportunity to enter into a relationship with him where we are accountable with him. And not like bad accountable, like I'm watching everything you do and you're gonna be in trouble, but accountable to him of, I've got something for you. I have a plan for your life. We need to keep going in the right direction accountable. Not you're doing so bad, I'm just gonna punish and whatever, accountable. But that can't happen if your prayer life is confined to the hustle and the chaos and the needs of life and Lord, give me, Lord, I need, Lord, help me. If your only experience with God, listen, is listening to a pastor in church and then throwing up the occasional prayer whenever you need something, God will hear your prayers. He may even be gracious and answer a few of them but you could spend your entire life and completely miss the point of prayer and intimacy with God. So Jesus says, all right, you know, yeah, we'll we'll cover your needs, but I already know that. I mean, that's a part of it. That's just such a small part. Like, I don't wanna spend much time talking about that. I have so much more. Listen to how Jesus closes this. He says, this then is how you should pray. Now that we've covered some things, well, what have we covered? Time and place, time and place, time and place, time and place. Well, Andy, I don't have time for time and place. Well, that's okay. You don't have to do it. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. There you go. And he says, now that we've covered this, this is how you should pray. And so I ask you, is it possible that we spend our entire lives in a tiny corner of what is essentially a huge arena in this area of our life. And the reason that we get discouraged and the reason that so many people think prayer doesn't work is because we don't see the big picture and we don't really understand the point of prayer to start with. And we never expanded beyond the request part of prayer into the relationship, intimacy aspect of prayer. And that can only happen when you go to the room and close the door. And I want every one of us to experience that, that relationship, that intimacy. But to do that, we have got to view prayer through a whole different lens. Go into your room, close the door. And here's the promise. When your father sees you alone in private, he will reward you. So having figured all of that out, Next week, Jesus will tell us how to pray. Let's close. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, it is my hope that throughout this series that that there is a desire sparked inside of us to begin to come to an understanding of what it is that prayer is really about. And Lord, this week as we go, Lord, help us to begin to keep in mind the setup if we want prayer to be the way that it was intended to be. 
Lord, over and over and over in our mind this week, please remind us time and place, time and place. We have got to separate ourselves from the chaos of life to be able to properly have a prayer relationship with you. Lord, I am so grateful that we have these precious writings that give us this insight on the way that you work and this amazing gift that you have given us in this thing called prayer. Lord, let us begin to, throughout the next few weeks, begin to have a bigger understanding of what that really is. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being out. Look forward to next week as we look at Jesus telling us how we should pray. It's a beautiful-